Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Hey, Sevier County. My name is Anthony Kendall, and this is my wonderful, amazing wife, Erin Kendall, and I'm the pastor of Connect Church. We are so excited to announce the launch of Connect Church on September 30th at 10 a.m. I'm so excited about this morning, and this has been a three-year prayer equity built into today. For many of you, you have taken the past few months and given so much to see God burn the church on this morning at this time. Every day we're, we are truly seeing God's word. I should have died two and a half years ago, but here I stand. And um, here I stand. I'm just expecting big things from God and how he's going to use me. Don't take life for granted. And the Holy Spirit. morning connect church let's thank our team for leading us out in worship today it is it is so good to worship with you on what is our five year and one week anniversaries of church we are five years and one week old and we are so grateful that we get to spend this Sunday with you making much of Jesus together you know it being our five-year anniversary last week we had a lot of time uh, just to think through all that God has done and I wanted to share with you one of my favorite memories uh, of the church. Now, I have many more that, that, are, that are even better than this, but this is one of my favorite, and I just want to warn you, it has no spiritual value at all, okay? I just want to kind of set the tone there uh, for you for a minute. So it was early on in just a couple weeks of being Connect Church. We were meeting in a barn, and uh, Joey Andrews, who is now our lead deacon, and in just a moment, you're going to see exactly why that is. Shows up to the barn for our church service with this. He, he shared with all of our, our, our team that he had caught a, a baby raccoon and that the raccoon was in its house. And, and what he began to do was begin to, to tap on it to try to get that, that baby raccoon, come on, and kind of to coax it out with some food. Uh, come on, baby raccoon. And all of a sudden... That happened. I saw that, and you know what I immediately thought? My mama's fixing to be here. She, she's fixing to be here. And I looked at Joey and said, you want to bet I can get my mama to cuss? And he said, let's do it. And so, and so mama shows up. Y'all got to see this. Y'all put that on the screen real quick. Y'all take a look at what happened when mama came to church back in the barn. That's her in the purple light. <laughs> Did y'all hear that at the end? 
Y'all got a cussing mama too. Hey, let's watch that one more time. Look, it's the last service. Let's watch that again real quick. Team, play that up there. <laughs> hey, Shay. My mama didn't really cuss. We put that bleep in there just for the fun of it because she was in the last service and we got to do that together. But man, I tell you what, so many wonderful memories on a scene of planting a church where a lot of people told me, hey, it's scary planting a church. There's a lot of things that, that could go wrong planting a church. And I want you to hear me. That outside the title of being a Christian, outside of Jesus and my family, one of the greatest joys in my life has been this church, has been Connect Church and how God has used it. The joy that I've had to be your pastor, to preach the word of God has been one of the greatest joys. And in all the celebration of what is the fifth birthday of our church, last week we shared with you what is phase two of our five-year vision, a vision that reaches from our very neighborhoods to the nations. A vision, yes, to build a new home together, but more importantly, to create more room as we continue the work that the generations may know him. And listen, I, when I speak of knowing, I'm not talking just an intellectual knowledge, just some transactional religion. I am talking about a knowing and a loving and a following after Jesus that is transformational. I love how Shane Pruitt put it. He framed it up this way. It's the type of transformation that brings a person from lost to found, from orphan to child of God, from wrecked to redeemed, from empty to being filled with the Spirit, from captive to free, from broken to new creation, from bankrupt to co-heir, from aimless to ambassador, from sinner to saint, and from dead to alive in Jesus. And that's why we exist. Today, I want us to talk about one of the biggest problems in the church today. It is a problem that we see in churches all over America. A problem that, that exists no matter the church size or location, denomination or affiliation. And that is the problem of the empty chair. In every church this morning, they're there. We have a lot of people in the room. We also have a lot of empty chairs. It's a problem that plagues the church in America. In Sevier County, Barner Research teaches us that on this morning, that over 70,000 people will be in nobody's church today. In our Bible Belt community, Tens of thousands of people don't have a church home. Tens of thousands of more are lost and living and dying apart from Jesus. You see, an empty chair is a big problem. Some of you might say this, hey, preacher, listen. Just because you don't go to church doesn't mean you're not a Christian. And you are right. In fact, Tony Evans spoke to this once. He's a great author and pastor. And he said this, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. He says, they're absolutely right. But you don't have to go home to be married. But stay away long enough, and your relationship will be affected. Man, look, we've got a lot of people 
whose relationships with Jesus are affected because that chair stays empty. That every empty chair in a room in any church across our community is a missed opportunity for the lost to listen to the gospel, for the hurting to find healing in his name, for the outcast to be embraced by the open arms of the Father, for the, love, the lonely to feel loved by him, for the saint to serve, for the Christian to become more Christ-like, for believers to share burdens in prayer, and for Jesus' followers to make much of Jesus together. Let me ask you a question. Does the sight of an empty chair bother you? When was the last time that you saw an empty chair in church and it bothered you and you thought, I know somebody who needs to be sitting there. I know someone. You see, we find this that that Jesus cares about the empty chair. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 14, Jesus sits and eats at a prominent Pharisee's house, a religious leader who looked a lot more holy and righteous on the outside than really was the reality of who he was on the inside. Jesus is going to use this occasion at his home to call out this religious leader for his pride, his self-proclaimed righteousness. And Jesus tells a story. He uses a parable to call him out. And in this parable, we realize this, that Jesus cares for the empty chair. That it's a big deal to Jesus too. Watch this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. And isn't there always an excuse not to do something? They began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, man, I just got married. So I cannot come. Now, let me stop here for a moment and remind you, just a quick note, all these excuses are laughable, are laughable. This parable, this story to the Jewish ear would have provoked smirks and expressions like this. No way would this happen. No way would people give this ridiculous of excuses. It's like you going, hey, hey, Pastor Anthony, you, you didn't come to church last Sunday. Where were you? Oh, I, I was busy working my second job at Chick-fil-A last Sunday, right? Chick-fil-A ain't open on Sundays. You listen to that, it's ridiculous. You might say, well, hey, pastor, why didn't you come to church? And I tell you, you know what? I was getting my hair did. I'm balding at an unbelievably fast pace. I don't need my hair did. I need just to stay, right? Or maybe you say, hey, pastor, why were you in church? And I, I look at you and go, I was at my spin class. You think I ever been to a spin class? Man, you go unbelievable, laughable. And what a, what a lame excuse. Hey, no one in that day would buy land sight unseen. No one would find five oxen and buy it before they were to check out the oxen to make sure they were healthy. A young married couple, to not have time to be in a promise, prominent religious leader's home in their community, it made absolutely no sense. The excuses were just too lame and too laughable. And yet what Jesus is conveying in this story, this parable, 
while sitting at this Pharisee's home is this. You are too proud in your self-righteousness to enter the kingdom of heaven. You don't need me in your mind when you have you. So here is who I will save. Here is who I want sitting at the empty seat at my table. And Jesus finishes the parable in verse 21. Then the owner of the house became angry, ordered his servants, go out quickly, watch this, go into the street, into the alleys, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. But watch this, there's still room. There's still empty chairs. Then the master told his servants, go out to the roads, to the country lanes, compel them to come in so that my house may be full. What amazes me is that Jesus' answer, Jesus' solution to the empty chair is for you and for me to get out in the streets, to go into the alleyways, the countryside, if we must, and compel people to invite them to come in so that the master's house can be full. You see, Jesus desires his house, and by the way, contextually, and better yet, his kingdom to be full of the lost and the broken, the outcast and the hurting. The problem of the empty chair in the church today is a problem for Jesus too. Last week I pointed out the plight of Gen Z, those born after 1996, that Gen Z generation is trending to be one of the most lost generations in our nation's history with over 57 million of them projected to not follow Jesus. Guys, it's our teenagers nowadays. I mean, it's heartbreaking, but not surprising. Last week, our student ministry took the problem of an empty chair seriously with an event titled Fill the Room. From Generation Z, over 160 students filled those empty chairs. And listen to this good news. You ready? From Gen Z, over 15 of them gave their hearts and their lives to Jesus. Man, isn't that good news? Yeah. In fact, let me show you a video, just a quick recap of what took place here on Wednesday night. Take a look at the screen. getting to worship with our teenagers this past week. And uh, can I just remind you real quick of the three greatest sounds in the life of a church? Babies crying, men singing, and teenagers worshiping. And man, did they do that? In fact, just this past Thursday, that was Wednesday night, on Thursday night, 13 young men from a local football team, Dominic, our youth pastor, is the chaplain of them, 
13 of them, over 13 of them, have given their heart and their life to Jesus. And when I say the junior high team, I mean officially this morning, the champions of their region because they won the championship game yesterday, which is cool. Hey, but listen, hey, let me tell you a greater victory than what happened yesterday on the fields, what happened back here in the pool just the other night. Oh man, my, my whole screen went black. There it is. 13 of those boys took their next step and followed Jesus through the waters of baptism. And I'll tell you, I'm just so thankful for coaches who love Jesus and youth workers and students who desire to fill the empty heart, the empty life, the empty soul, that empty chair for Jesus and with people who desperately need him. I want us to take a look back at Psalm 78. It's the psalm by which we studied last week as the, as the song where we got our, our mission statement for phase two of our five-year vision. A psalm inspired by the Holy Spirit and penned by what would be David's worship leader. King David, in his service, had a worship leader by the name of Asaph. And he penned this psalm, a psalm that, that rejoiced in a God who was faithful to a people who all too often were not faithful back to God. And with it, in this refrain, of course, of the chorus, in what is this musical piece that is Psalm 78, lies the admonition, the command, and the challenge to God's people to retell and to relive and to rejoice in the Lord, ensuring that all generations would come to know of his goodness, of his grace, that he is God. And so Asaph writes this in verse 4. He will tell the next generation. The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statues for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors, watch, to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would, put their, would tell their children, they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep, the Bible says, his commands. I'm going to tell you something. Psalm 78 is great poetry but it's in the prose that we find God's purpose for those who bear his name. This sermon in a song reminds us of the catastrophic cost, the collateral damage done when one generation gets too casual with the commands of God. And to be honest with you, we see it in the church today in America, don't we? To be honest with a lot of guys who, who carry my title. Pastors, I heard one preacher say this this past week. He said, this warning, beware. Pastors all over the country are leaving the faith, but they're still holding on to their pulpits. They're still holding on to their pulpits. I want you to hear me, church. Every pastor of Connect Church, every pastor in this community, around the country, across every corner of the globe, has the sacred duty to preach the gospel, the whole truth, the whole counsel of the word of God, despite culture, despite criticism, despite contempt and condemnation. Why? That the generations may know Jesus. But we see in the latter part of Psalm 78 that there was a generation who did not follow the Lord. And so comes the warning not to be like the generation before them. 
that they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. They forgot what he had done and the wonders he had shown them. You see, for that generation, obedience became an option. For that generation, they took God's faithfulness for granted and they forgot him. In a sense, you ready? That generation left a whole lot of empty chairs for the generation that would come after them. In the light of the church today, it's a generation who let the gospel, the good news of what God has done, stop with them. And now a common refrain in the life of Connect Church. You ready? Don't let the gospel stop with you. Don't let the gospel stop with you. You see, here's some implications of Psalm 78. In my time with the Lord, my time with my, my men's Bible study at Cracker Barrel Wednesday mornings, here's some implications. You ready? I want my wife to know Jesus because of me and not in spite of me. I want my children to know and to love and to follow Jesus because of me, not in spite of me. Because I pointed them, I encouraged them because they saw Jesus in me. And I want my grandkids to know Jesus because of me, not in, in spite of me. This community, the very ends of the earth, to know Jesus because of me, not in spite of me. You ready? It is the inviting of the generations as Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Jesus. It's saying to the generations, I'm not going to just tell you how to walk with Jesus. I will show you by how I walk with Jesus. The only way that the generations are going to come to know him is if disciples like you and me make disciples who make disciples of Jesus. You see, the empty chair is an opportunity to fill it with someone who needs Jesus. This problem of the empty chairs in our church and in churches all over America today. But here's the question. Will you be the solution? Will you be the one who invites someone to follow Jesus? If they don't have a church home, say, hey, look, come sit with me and my family on a Sunday and hear more about him. You willing to do life with him? You see, consider, I want you to consider a part of our five-year vision. And by the way, if you don't have one of these, we have them at the back. It kind of highlights our, our phase two of our five-year vision. But consider an important part of this vision, the empty chairs that are left by families with children who have special needs. My pastor in Charlotte shared this stat with me, and it's never left me that 90% of families with children with special needs are unchurched. And you know why? Because it's just too hard to go to church. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. The church ought to have open arms, ready and looking for them to come. That statistic makes families with children with special needs one of the most unreached and underreached segments of people in our communities. Thus, the carve-out we found in Luke 14 today as we read this carve-out 
for those with special needs, individuals with special needs, and Jesus ensuring the gospel gets to them, that they have a seat at the table. We must ensure that generations like this come to know Jesus. So in our new home, we are offering a room unlike it in our community, specifically designed for children with special needs, a sensory perception room that will create a unique environment for these precious children to hear and to learn about Jesus. We per- will purchase playground equipment that is inclusive for all children, building a coffee shop inside the life of our church to help employ and train individuals with special needs with the job training they need to better their skills and opportunities for employment we are going to create room for this generation to know him but not only that generation there's other people I want to see sitting in that chair I want those who feel helpless in our community to sit in that chair helpless in their marriages in their jobs in their parenting their situation I want them sitting in the chair so that they can know the hope of Jesus I I want the divorced to sit in that chair and realize that with all their broken pieces Jesus can pick up the broken pieces and make them whole again I want those who contemplated this past week taking their life just to see how beautiful and valuable your life is to God your creator and to find life in Jesus. I want those who are lonely to be seen and loved by the family of God. I want those who are anxious to find their peace in the Prince of Peace who is Jesus. I want the widow and the widower to find the family and the support from the very bride of Christ. I want the addict to sit here in this chair and I want them to find freedom in Jesus. I want broken marriages to sit down in these seats to be reminded Jesus is not done with their marriage. That even if their marriage seems dead, we've got good news of one who's really good at bringing dead things back to life. That's why I want sitting in, in that chair. You see, not only our five-year vision, but the reason we preach through three services today is that those with an empty life and an empty heart and an empty soul sit down and be filled with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. You ready? We just need a little bit more room to do it in. Last week, we had over 1,300 people, hundreds of them kids on our campus. Today, we'll dwarf that number. I don't know if you can tell by the traffic. An empty chair is one of the biggest problems in the church today. And you know what? We've got to create a lot more room for those who are empty in their heart and their life and in their soul. And we realize this, that not when a building's built, but today, that God has saved us and God sends us to be the very solution to this problem. You ready? To run into the streets, to go into the alleys, out in the country, and bring people to Jesus. From our neighborhood to the nations. Why? So that generations may know him. So that generations may know him. I want to close by 
telling you about three seats that have been empty for years at Connect Church. And those three seats belong to Haley and her husband Chris and their son Colton, who, who girls just sat right there this morning in the 8 o'clock service. You see, Haley used to be in my youth group years ago. And after she got out of youth group, there wasn't a whole lot of support in the home. She hadn't been back to church for decades. Her husband, Chris, was taken to church some as a child, but had yet to darken the doors of a church since becoming an adult. And yet, they had a neighbor. You ready? A neighbor who who saw the empty chair as a big problem. And you know what? Loved his neighbors enough to work to fill the empty chair. To do everything he could to connect them to the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they show up. Their first Sunday, I remember them. Sat right over here. And I remember preaching, looking at that girl going, I know you from somewhere. And that's Haley. That Sunday morning... Their boy, in this generation that is so lost, looked up and indicated that he gave his heart and his life to Jesus. And what a joy it was to see this family reconnect with the Lord for salvation to come. In fact, early in the summer, I got a chance to baptize Chris in a river near my house. I got a chance to baptize their son, Colton. And then... And so long ago, this precious young lady, Haley, I got a chance to baptize her. Well, fast forward to September earlier this past month, and, and all of a sudden, I, I wound up preaching this sermon called Save People, Serve People, Because Serve People Get Saved, right? Somebody should write a song about that. I, just, I preached the message, and, and Haley and her husband were sitting there, and they looked at each other and said, you know what? It's time to get off the bench time to stop being spectators let's get us a group let's start serving in fact last week they were here at 5 a.m setting up your chairs they get in a group a week after that from there they're in a group and they decide to go together into a group and she looks through all the list of groups and there was a group that was led by jonathan and sunshine was his wife's name and she went, with a name like Sunshine, I want that group, right? So I'm going to go to, that's the group we're going to go to. And so they show up on that Wednesday night. And all of a sudden, Jonathan starts the group and he's like, listen, tell your Jesus story. What happened that brought you to Jesus? Haley in her mind went, oh no, I'm not sharing my story. It's just too too traumatic and too, I, I'm not going to share my story. That's what she's thinking in her mind. Well, all of a sudden, it comes to this empty chair that is now filled with Haley next to her husband, and she begins to share her Jesus story. That three years ago, a pistol discharged point-blank range into Haley's stomach. The bullet Inside the chamber was a hollow point bullet which was designed as soon as it hit her stomach to in a sense explode and to break into shrapnel causing the maximum amount of damage and no exit wound because all the damage was done on the inside. The police were called and paramedics came and they knew immediately that Haley had been gravely injured. She's mortally wounded. 
And so they call what are some heroes of our community, and that is the Lifestar community. Uh, these nurses who hop on helicopters and fly to where people are hurt. On that day, a helicopter landed for her. It's time to take her to University of Tennessee Hospital, their trauma team, to try to save her life. Haley, during this entire time, will tell you that she remained eerily calm. Eerily calm. She gets on the helicopter. She doesn't know she'll make it off. When all of a sudden a flight nurse who was assigned to her who was on the helicopter that day began to love and to show care for me. It was a woman. And her flight nurse looked at Haley and said, Haley, do you know Jesus? Haley said, yes. And that flight nurse hundreds of feet in the air, traveling as fast as it could go to save her life. That flight nurse prayed over Haley. They get to the University of Tennessee and they, they whisk her into the operating room. Haley is there and the doctor asks, is there an exit wound? To which Haley said, there is no exit wound. The doctor began to seem worried and concerned. He began to bark out orders as they were preparing the operating room to save her life. Haley told me this, that in that moment, she was terrified, that she became panicked. And for the first time since that bullet was lodged in her stomach, she began to scream and to cry. Imagine a young mom. Am I ever going to see my baby again? A husband. She began to scream and cry. And that is when out in the hallway, her flight nurse runs back into the OR, lays her body on top of Haley's body, and begins to pray over her. And Haley will tell you to this day that the last thing she remembers while she was conscious was her flight nurse in her jumpsuit laying over her and praying for her until she finally went to sleep. Well, fast forward. Haley gets done sharing that story. And there's a man by the name of Steve who's sitting in that small group. People begin to nudge Steve and say, Steve, you need to call your wife and tell her to get here. And he's like, I think I do. You see, his wife was named Haley as well. And that evening, she was, she was working. She was fixing to finish up her shift as a flight nurse on Lifestar. And she drove as quickly as she could to her small group. And there, Haley and Haley embraced for the first time in three years after three years of searching for this flight nurse, getting nowhere. Man, they embraced each other and celebrated how good God is. That three years before Haley ever darkened the door at Connect Church, you ready? The Lord sent the church to Haley on a helicopter in an operating room to love and to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do generations they know him? Even a flight nurse on a terribly tragic call 
would realize the value. Do you know Jesus? To pray with her. In her scariest of moments, to lay on top of her body and to pray over her. That empty chair is not empty anymore. Every Sunday they sit there and they grow closer to Jesus. Oh, the power. Oh, the joy. Oh, the the glory that is to be had when we begin to see these empty chairs filled. And Jesus begins to save hearts and lives. We are, whether by helicopter or car, or by our own two feet, to go in the streets, into the alleys, and into the country with the good news of the gospel in hopes that the generations will come to know Jesus. Let's pray together, can we? As we pray together, I, uh, man, I, I want to challenge every believer right now. Near every believer is an empty chair. I, I want to challenge every believer right now to pray over that empty chair. Because you know what? Every one of us knows somebody who ought to be sitting there whether it's somebody in our family, our friends, our community, our workplaces, in our school, man, we know somebody who ought to sit there because, man, we know their story in their life that there's emptiness there, that their life is empty, their heart, their soul is empty. Oh, and that Jesus can save them. Hey, so can I ask every believer right now to pray over the empty chair nearest you? Pray for those people. We exist for not just who's coming, but who's yet to come. Would you pray over the empty chair? And as you're doing that, there are chairs filled by people in this room today who the truth is, is you are still empty inside. Your life seems full of emptiness, your heart, your soul. And don't you discount the fact that God in his great love for you ordained this moment, this day for you to be in this room to hear the good news of the gospel that the God who created you sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, for your sin. He emptied the grave three days later so that the very fact that Jesus is alive means you can be alive. You who were dead in your sins can be alive in Christ today. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.